0: A couple of questions. As I start, I want to ask these basically three questions. The first is, uh, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Second question would be, how do others see you? And the last question is, how does God see you? And I've said it before when I've spoken, um, I might use the word you when I preach. This is not an indictment against you individually because I've already, as I've prepared this, had to ask myself those same questions or applied those same things. So I've already made myself miserable. Now it's my time to help you be miserable as well. So how does God see you? How does God see you? How do you see yourself? How do others see you? Uh, I would like to read, this is not a verse that you're going to see up on the screen. But I just briefly want to read Romans 8, 29. Most people are familiar with Romans eight twenty-eight. But the verse that follows Romans 8, 28 says this, For whom he foreknew, that's God. You already got it up there. That is amazing. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image. To the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. But I really want you to think about that. When it says he predestined us to become conformed to the image, to the image of his son. The sermon title is Reflect. And I want you to think about that word, reflect when it comes to this idea of image. The word reflect has two basic meanings. It can mean to look back, to contemplate some person or some event. Um, Growing up as a child, um, although I guess... Some might say I'm still growing up as as an adult. But as a child, I was often uh, induced uh, to uh, personal fellowship with myself in my room. In other words, I was sent to my room to reflect. I don't know about you. I heard, I want you to think about what you have done. Mom, dad were asking me, no, they were commanding me to think about what I had just done, what I had just said, to contemplate on it, to look back at it. Usually there was a little piece that followed, and don't come out of that room until you can tell me why you're there in the first place. Problem with that is, I had all my toys and stuff in there and my books, and I didn't spend a lot of time reflecting. I knew what they wanted to hear. But that's one meaning of the word reflect, to look back, to contemplate something. The second meaning, the one I want to focus in on, is this definition of the word reflect. And it's the embodiment, or representation of something or someone in a faithful, accurate, and appropriate way. Romans 8.29, that we might be conformed to the image, that we might reflect. That's why we were called out of darkness into light, that we would reflect. I'm going to ask those three questions again. How does God see us? Does he see us as a reflection of his son? I wish there was a whole room full of people. And I know I'm not supposed to do these things, but I love asking questions. Raise your hand if you are a great reflection of Jesus Christ. And if I was sitting in the audience, I'd ask a question. I'd raise my hand halfway because I didn't want to commit to looking like Jesus. But I would ask, what percent are you looking? You know, are, if we're fifty percent, can we? If we're like ten percent, can we still raise our hand? But how does God see us? Are we that reflection that He predestined us to look like? I'll tell you right now, I have moments. They're brief and they're few, but I feel like I do a halfway decent job. But then there's the rest of the time, and I know I have work to do. Well, actually, I know I have to stop trying and let God do the work. How do others see us? question asked a long time ago. If you were to be taken before a magistrate, and the charge against you was being a Christian, is there enough evidence against you for conviction? That, that hurts. That hurts. I mean, most of us as believers would say, yeah. Newsboys came out with that song, Guilty. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. Guilty. It is convicting. That, that question, though, how do we see ourselves? As a therapist, I know most of us lie to ourselves. How are you doing today? Inside, you're going, Rrr. outside, oh, I'm fine. I'm doing really well. Whoa, you know, couldn't be much better. But if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with yourself, what do you look like? The Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And when we are not in good shape, the Holy Spirit's going to tell us you're out of line. Don't go there. Stop that. That kind of thing. Here's the idea of reflection. When most of us get out of bed in the morning, we usually have a routine. And part of that routine is standing in front of a mirror. And um, the older I get, the more I like the dimmer in the bathroom. Because when I turn it down, I look better and better and better. But part of that routine, looking in front of the mirror, but to really get a good look requires that we look closely at our reflection. Um, I think joy would my wife would attest that when uh, when I, when I had hair and my beard was you know down to there. Uh, When I got up in the morning, um, it was interesting. She would still smile at me and all, and then I'd, I'd go in the bathroom and I'd look in the mirror, and I'm going, man, love is blind. Because the reflection I saw was not all that hot. Needed help, but we do this look because we have an idea. Of what we want to look like to the world. God has a perfect conception of what he wants us to look like to the world. And if we say we want to look like Jesus, I love the Sunday school answers, you know, and Somebody's sitting in front of you, and and you're talking with them, and you ask them a question, and they know what to say. I don't know if they believe it, but they know what you want to hear. But as believers, I think most of us would say we want to look like Jesus. Then let's spend less time looking in a physical mirror. And look somewhere that's absolutely objective. That thing that doesn't look at the outside, but looks at the inside. Because the outside is a reflection of the inside. What I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is this. Looking at God's word. Looking at yourself and comparing the two. Don't listen to what others say about you necessarily. More importantly, listen to the Holy Spirit. What is He saying to you about you? I don't always find that enjoyable. But I will say, I've always found it productive. Eventually, it's positive. Not positive feeling, necessarily. But positive for the change that it brings. I read God's Word. I've been reading it for a long time. (laughs) Probably some of you can relate to this. Did you ever have a, a day a week, a month, of just one thing after another. And maybe there's this one person or there's this group of people and they are just on your last nerve. And you're reading your Bible because you should. I'm holding the Word of God in my hands. And as you're reading it, you're going, man, I wish so-and-so would read this. Stop it. It's not necessarily about them. It's probably about you. See, because it's not about your circumstance. It's about how you deal with it. And if we're not dealing with it the right way, it's because we're relying on our own thoughts, our own wisdom, our own thinking. But if we want to please God. Jesus said he didn't come to do his own will. Well, we definitely shouldn't be trying to do our own will. God's word exposes our innermost self. It starts with us. And just like looking in a physical mirror, it will reveal flaws that need working on. Uh, this is really by way of encouragement. I, I say this, it may not sound that way initially, but I want you to think about it. Um, inner change, inner change takes time. It does. If any of you have ever, uh, I remember back in the day I used to lift weights and, you know, I, I was vain. Okay, there were times where a buddy of mine, we'd be lifting weights down in the basement, and I'd take out my tape measure, and, and, and I'd see how large my bicep was. I haven't done that in so long because I'm afraid what the number might be. It will have diminished. Getting to a certain size physically took time, dedication. It was painful. I still can't, I mean, on the one hand, I enjoyed it. But I look back and I'm going, I don't know, man. It was just but I think about how rewarding it is biblically. When we put on that thinking of Christ, that thinking of Scripture, Paul had such a wonderful way with words. He said he said, in these bodies. We groan. In these bodies, though they're wasting away, those were positive things. He was a real positive speaker, wasn't he? Count it all joy when you fall into Wait a minute. But what he said about that inner man, he said the outer man, the, the, the physical part of us is wasting away. But the inner man should be building up. And that takes time. It takes dedication. And we have to know what we're aiming at. If we don't use Scripture in some way, shape, or form as a benchmark, as the objective of our truth so that we can have objective truth, objective goals, we will not know what to aim at or even if we're close to it. But the closer to God we get in His Word, through prayer and listening to the Holy Spirit, it's still going to take time to allow God to achieve His desired end for us. But I want you to think about that. The desired end of God in in us is that He could work through us. He wants to. That's why we're here. We're not just here to get saved. And God goes, "Well, they're saved. Good job's done." No, He actually says, "Now you're ready for work. Now you're ready." in high school junior high made the football team one year in high school i made the team 2 years i made the team 3 times never played a game because after i made the team i quit <laughs> i did not sh- don't tell anybody i did not like football Big people try and hurt you. Just because we're saved doesn't mean the work is done. Our game isn't over. We're saved for a purpose, and it's a divine purpose. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, you'll see it up on the screen, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read verses 8 through 13, most of you know 1 Corinthians 13 is uh, that love chapter, and it is, that's fine, but that's not the piece I want to connect with. Verse 8 says, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. Now, we could spend the next four, five, six months talking about when the perfect comes and what that means. That's not my intent. Let's keep reading. When the perfect comes, a partial will be done away with. Verse 11, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, and reason like one. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Hone in on verses 12 and 13. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. But now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, what I really want you to focus in on is verse 12, these two little words, okay? It says, we see, for now, we see. What that means can be, you know, just a term in common vernacular, we see. Physical viewing, seeing, okay? Um, Really, that's, you know, a physical thing, all right? There's the mechanics behind it and how light energy goes in, hits back of your eye, and it's converted by these uh, sensory receptors and yada, 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 okay? It's a physical thing. It's a brain, a brain thing. But what I believe Paul is talking about isn't to see physically. It's to see spiritually. It's the mind. It's a mind thing. The brain is one thing. The mind is a separate thing. It's separate. And I believe in this case it's a very spiritual thing. But remember, what goes into the brain affects the mind. Metaphorically, we see with the mind's eye. That's what we see with. I, uh, I won't get into it. We have the power of understanding. We see with the mind's eye, we can understand, we can discern mentally. And if you go back to verse 12 where it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. That's a metaphor. For, I believe, it's this discernment piece. We don't discern all that well. Um, I've had glasses since I was about 13. I had an operation on both eyes, had lenses implanted uh, five, six some years ago. I'm still wearing glasses, but at least I can see better. But here, spiritually, when we put our spiritual eyes to this thing and we focus in on it, we begin to discern we will only be able to go so far in this life, in our maturity. I don't know how far that is. I believe as long as you're still breathing you can still be growing for the most part. But there will be a time we'll see Christ face to face. And when I was growing up just learning how to drive finally got my my learner's permit or whatever, and, you know, you could actually ask a girl out on a date. And the talk, you know, from especially Dad, um, well, you know, basically you stay on that side of the car and she stays on that side of the car. Why? Because if I were to move to that other side of the car, did I look like Jesus or not? Verses 12 and 13 talk about now, but then. Now, but then. I want you to think about where you are now. And if we give ourselves, you give yourself over to God, but then what will you look like? What will you talk like? What will you act like? Will you actually reflect more of Jesus? Think about when Moses went up on a mountain, (laughs) had that visit with Jesus, or I'm sorry, with Moses and, and God and all this, and Moses comes down. People had a hard time looking at him. He glowed. I believe he was a reflection of the God he had met. We need to have that. In uh, the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 5, James 1, 2 through 5. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's here and now. That's, That's right here and now. But if you lack wisdom, ask God, gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to you, to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. You don't know what you don't need, or you don't know what you do need, until you're made aware. Okay? I mean, it's not real complicated. You don't know what you don't know until you know that you don't know it. I'll give an explanation for that when I figure it out. But anyway, the idea is if you have this inkling, this understanding, it's about searching. Talks about verse 4, let endurance have its perfect result. What is that? Perfection, completeness. sounds like Christ-likeness, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like that? But that it comes through trial, staying focused on what? The image of Christ. And if we're focused on him and we go through trials, don't we, shouldn't we, won't we reflect Christ? In Philippians three fourteen, Paul said Stay focused. Keep your eye on the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's that calling, that high calling, that prize? It's an end point. It's an end point. Whenever we have this idea in our head, we want this. Uh, When I was building furniture... I wouldn't, my father would draw stuff. He would get the ruler and the graph paper, and he would, my goodness. Me, I just had this great idea in my head, and I would think about it, and then I'd start measuring the wood and cutting and assembling. Worked out pretty well. I had one time where it didn't. We're not going to talk about that. I'm still trying to overcome. The scar left. (laughs) But I want you to think about it, okay? Staying focused on something almost ensures that you're going to hit the target. Riding a motorcycle, a bicycle. If you want to get over there and you're facing this way, look at where you want to be. And the body and the mind all does the rest. If we are submitted to that image of God, that image of Christ, through his word and through his spirit, we will hit it. So let me ask you, what are you focused on? Does it look biblical? Or are you making it biblical in your own mind? Okay. Be careful with that one. Does it appear that that would be something that Jesus would have pursued, would have done, would have said? Or is it leading you away from the light of Christ that we are to reflect? That's why we're here. Isaiah 51.1 says, listen to me. You who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord, look to the rock from whom you were cut and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to the rock. You will appear like that which you pursue. I love little kids when they're going through that identity formation stage they see something on tv or or what have you and we've all done it don't don't you know don't exclude yourself do you ever run around as a little kid with a cape on pretending that you know that loaf of bread was you know your sword and you were zorro or something like that look to the rock from which you were cut this is spiritual stuff As a believer, as someone who's been blood-bought, spirit-indwelled, we've been cut from a rock. You don't get slate and shale from quartz. A stone that's cut out of a block of marble, when it's taken away from that, that big piece, it doesn't turn into something else. It remains. Look to the rock. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Perseveres in the New Testament is characteristic of a man who does not swerve. He does not sway. I believe it's in Luke, I think it's chapter 9. It says Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem. He was heading there for his, his crucifixion. Now, he took a zigzag course, but he was always heading there. That's where he was headed. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Why? Why? Because God promises. The Lord promises. Don't swerve from your loyalty. Get back to it. No matter what. What drives a person to become like Christ on earth may be that they want others to see the likeness of Christ in themselves so that that other person might come to a point where they too would believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior and become born again. Maybe it's because they've come to understand that we serve a God who desires us, little old us, to reflect His Son and demonstrate our love to Him. Our obedience is that reflection of love. Jesus said, I came to do the will of the one who sent me. Perhaps it's because they've come to completely love the very lover of our souls. That doing anything other than reflecting that same love back to him, it becomes unimaginable. Maybe even repulsive. Philippians 2:14 and 15 say this Do all things without complaining or arguing so that you will prove so that you will prove and that means to become or to be made that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights. Talking about reflecting. Be light in the dark world, starting today. Starting today. Appear to the world so Christ-like, That the life we live will reflect the very one who gave us this life, and he gave it freely, and he set us free. He set us free so that we could do that. Let's each one of us strive for that spiritual growth, that spirit-led intimacy with Jesus, to the point that we'll be able to say what the Apostle Paul said 2,000 years ago. He said, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Yeah, yeah, no worry there. No pressure. I, I just want to say it in this term. If the Apostle Paul could do it, after coming out of a life of hating, killing Christians, to me that's repentance. We talk about that 180 degree spin. I don't know where you are on the protractor of life. But until we can say what Paul said and actually mean it, Let's press on. Let's be reflecting on our spiritual walk that we might be reflectors of the one who saved us and called us to make disciples of others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the challenge of your word. But, Father, not just the challenge, Lord, you gave promises, you gave an invitation, and you gave me a place at the table that I couldn't earn. Lord, I pray that my life would be an imitation of your son, help me to be like my namesake that I could actually mean if I said to someone, if you want to be like Christ, be like me. Help me to grow into that. Help us all to grow into that. In these days, Father, help us to shine like we've never shown. Grow us bigger and better than we've ever been, that we might glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.